The story of the Tower of Babel is fascinating. It explains how humankind got many languages. And it reads a little like a fable, or like those Native American stories that answer questions like, how did bear lose its tail? How did humankind get its language? But there is so much more going on here that to simply call it a fable is to miss the message it has for us today. When the great flood had subsided, God told Noah to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But the people of Babel were anxious, afraid of being dispersed to all four corners of the compass. From that fear came a need for security and strength in numbers. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. But the problem with too much security and strength, then and now, is it can lead to arrogance and a sense of self-accomplishment instead of leading to reliance upon God. So God comes down to check out the construction site at Babel and is not very happy at all. Look, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. I used to read this story and think God was actually becoming envious of humanity's accomplishments. And and that's in a way how it sounds. (laughs) I mean, what's so bad about nothing being impossible for us to accomplish? Well, I think the trouble is we then tend to forget God when we think we've achieved our successes through our own merits. That can quickly lead to hubris and self-satisfaction, as much as it can also lead to great accomplishments. Priests, of course, are are never prideful or (laughs) self-satisfied. Just ask me. After our Los Gatos interfaith clergy meeting a few weeks ago, I encountered two of our members in the parking lot at the Presbyterian Church. Jane, our Roman Catholic representative, was chatting with Lorraine, one of our Mormon colleagues. When I came upon them, they both turned to me and said, you know, Ricardo, you have such a great spirit. Whenever you're around, things are just more fun and joyful. Really, I chirped, flattered and sort of surprised. Oh, yeah, we're so glad you're here. Oh, gee, thanks, I said, modestly. Now, if I were a prideful priest, full of himself and thinking his good works were all his doings, I might have called my husband the minute I got into my car in that parking lot and told him the story. If I were prideful, I might have casually mentioned it to a few parishioners over the past few weeks, this good rep I'm getting. Or I might have woven it into a dinner conversation with an Episcopal priest friend last Sunday night. Or I might have used it as an illustration in a sermon. (laughs) But did I in my pride do any of those things? You bet I did. (laughs) Just about the one personage I didn't tell was God. I did not express thanks for the blessing of being the rector of this wonderful little parish. Nor did I reflect on how much of the joy I may bring to a situation is in part because of the joy I experience with you here. All the enthusiasm, kindness, 
generosity and hard work you bring to being a member of St. Luke's. Neither did I much stop to give thanks for William, for family and friends, for having enough money that I could afford to eat dinner at Nick's next door two weeks in a row. (laughs) So don't do as your rector does. Don't babble your own praises to all within earshot. Instead, remember to give thanks to God. Even if you truly believe your accomplishments are all your own doing, it doesn't hurt you to be humble. In fact, it's a sign of good character that you can let just enough praise in to be fed by it and then deflect the rest onto others. So that's the message I hear in today's reading from Genesis. Today we also celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit manifested itself as wind and flame over the disciples and those gathered together that day. Fire provides energy and gives us light, gives us vision. Good people of St. Luke's, how will you bring your energy to bear on this place? And how will you manifest your vision for our future? I've been here with you over a year and a half now, and I'm getting this persistent message from above that now is the time to reignite. Like those dancing fires atop the disciples' heads, now is the time for us to answer those those calls of inspiration. But remember that the flame is not just yours. It is but one of the many tongues of fire resting atop each one of us. We are here to reignite community. It's already ignited. We want to turn it up a notch. Not to get our own needs met or to impose our own language upon others, if you will. If we all do that, the result will be babble and we'll become confused. This is a time to work together. Now, summer may be a quiet time coming up, but know that good things are brewing here for the coming months. We have the enthusiasm, and we have the big hearts, and we have God with us. When I send out a letter to a newcomer after they filled out those welcome cards I'm always talking about, I always quote the environmentalist David Orr when talking about St. Luke's and the joyful work we look forward to bringing to fruition. He says, hope is a verb with its sleeves rolled up. I want to say something about the Pentecost experience of many languages being spoken and all of them being understood. I never could quite figure out how all the disciples could be speaking different languages and yet be understood by all the bystanders as if their words were in each visitor's different native tongue. Now I think I know what happened on that day of Pentecost. The language they spoke was the divine tongue, the core language which everyone understands deep within our souls. Maybe it was the native speech of the inhabitants of Babel before they were dispersed, before they became anxious and tried to control the divine within them. But when the disciples in today's reading burst forth with praise, they didn't so much speak in tongues as shout the divine language we still long to hear today. May it be ours in this sacred space, St. Luke's, that we all love so much. Back in Long Beach, when I was there about three, four years ago, 
an Episcopal deacon friend, once confessed to me that he'd gone to a Pentecostal church in his younger years. This is not something you're supposed to tell other Episcopalians, apparently. (laughs) He had actually spoken in tongues on occasion, though it didn't feel genuine at first. At its best, however, he described the experience as transcendent. I sensed the presence of the Creator, and my response to that nearness was to spout praise, he explained. I didn't know what I was saying. It was gibberish, but I knew what it meant, and it was all praise and joy. I asked him, where did the sounds come from? Were the words of praise yanked out from you, or did you initiate them yourself? He thought a moment and then replied, neither. They burst forth from me without any effort on my part, as if something else inside me was responding to God's presence. That got me thinking. You know, it could be that the Holy Spirit already resides in us, and that when we summon it, its arrival comes not to us, but through us. Maybe it's best to leave it all a mystery. Unexplained and not interpreted. The Holy Spirit, who knows? Our attempts to speak of the Holy Spirit probably sound like gibberish to God. But I think God listens anyway and hears it all as praise. Amen.